Today on the Cigar Dave Show, we feature our Cigar Masters series with Jim Colucci, the president and CEO of Gurkha Cigars and Syndicato Cigars. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Nicaraguan series. Loaded with all Nicaraguan leaf from the renowned Aganorsa Farms, the Gurkha Nicaraguan series is the fullest-bodied cigar in the Gurkha portfolio. Peppery, spicy, and rich while maintaining absolute smoothness. Add the Gurkha Nicaraguan series to your humidor. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva, makers of Camacho and the Camacho Corojo. Built with authentic Honduran Corojo to deliver a bold experience for those that defy the status quo. Prepare for the intensity with Camacho Corojo. Camacho, strength and character, it's in our DNA. Available at Davidoff Geneva. This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with the General. Long ash greetings and salutations, a long ash snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the alpha, make masculinity great again, save America, screw the enemies of pleasure. It is your global five-star general alpha male in chief front and center, and we welcome you to our special Cigar Masters series, and it is my pleasure to welcome Jim Colucci who wears a very unique dual hat. He is the president and CEO of Syndicato Cigars and the president and CEO of Gurkha Cigars. Jim, welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. Great to be here, Dave. Thank you for having me, and uh, it's always good to chat with you. Jim, now you are the only man in the cigar industry right now that is the president and CEO of two companies. How, how about you explain how that happened? Well, as you know, originally, Dave, I, I when I retired in uh, 2011, I you know got involved with Syndicato and, and the group of retailers that wanted to form a re- a company selling cigars that they basically wanted to control the destiny of the cigar or the the future of the brand, and not also be uh, selling a product from a major manufacturer in their brick and mortar stores that two years later, because they made it a successful brand was being discounted heavily on the internet. So they said, why don't we control our own brands? So, but they wanted to do it on a national basis. So they got 45 retailers together to start a company. And they asked me to be the president and CEO. That was back in 2013. Uh, when we really officially got started and went to our first, uh, then was the uh, IPCPR, which is now the PCA show and in Vegas. So uh, that's how we got started. And about two and a half years ago, uh, as you know, my office for Syndicato has been in the Gurkha cigar facility. Uh, and Kaiser, who at, the point, at that time was the CEO, uh, finally said to me one day, you know, you should be running my company too. So uh, two and a half years ago, exactly, I took over as the president and COO of Gurkha. And then last, I think it was March, I took over as CEO of Gurkha. So basically, uh, like you said, I wear two hats, uh, sit in the same desk. It just uh, makes no difference as far as where I am, but... I have the paperwork to handle for both Syndicato and Gurkha. Obviously, Gurkha is a much bigger company and takes a majority of my time, but I'm able to, uh, you know, handle the 
the two jobs. The most important part, Dave, as you recall, Syndicato didn't really have its own sales force. We had to use independent brokers. Right. Okay. And what Gurkha afforded me is the opportunity to go to our, my partners and say, hey, we will have the Gurkha sales force working for us, 11 people out there selling our product nationally. And it has been a plus for Syndicato. I mean, they have put us in a lot more doors than we ever were in before. Uh, we're probably in now almost, I would say, 500 to 600 doors. Uh, and that's a big gain from where we were probably before we were in about 300. So we've had, actually in two and, a, two and a half years have doubled the amount of doors that Syndicato cigars are in. And when, obviously, if you're a listener, when I say doors, I mean retail stores that right. sell tobacco uh, and cigars. Jim, what what does this year mark in terms of your longevity in the cigar industry? Well, Dave, I, according to my wife, it's uh, 47 years. We measure it by, I started in April of 1974, and my daughter was born in May of 74. So we just celebrated her 47th birthday. So that's how wow. it, it's easy for me to figure out how many years I've been in this business. There you go. And and for many years, obviously, you were with Consolidated Cigar and Altadas, which is a larger company. And then you made the transition to really being more entrepreneurial with Syndicato and now with Gurkha. What have been the biggest differences between both? Although I will say, knowing you for so long and visiting you for many, many years at the Altadas headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, you really operated, as well as Theo Foles, the president um, of Altadas and Consolidated Cigar, you really operated a large company in an entrepreneurial manner. Yeah, that, you know, that's the one of the things about, obviously, Theo was a very innovative type guy, and he came from a small company, Bayuk, uh, before he came to which uh, Consolidated Cigars, which eventually after the merger with uh, Have a Tampa became uh, Altadis USA. But Theo always had this belief that if we kept it the, how should I say, if we kept the people in the company believing we were a small company and we were a family, that we could do more with less, okay? And so we had people, uh, as Theo's first favorite saying day was, I pay everybody a dollar more than anybody else would be willing to pay them. Right. And they'll stay with you forever. Right. And it worked for him. I mean, I, I was there, uh, at Altadis 37 years, 25 years on the Theo. And, you know, one of the funny things was that we never lost people. I mean, people stay with Altadis for 20, 30 and 40 years. I mean, you know, Gene, uh, he was over 50. Gene, Gene you know, Tipton, which, right. Yep. Gene Tipton was over 50 between his uh, tenure at uh, Have a Tampa and Altadis and Consolidated, uh, com the combination. He was there 50 years. So just, and I was there 37. So, you know, it's a kind of a company that was big, but, but run like a family's company. That's what, well, the whole cigar business, Dave, you know it, especially Absolutely. in the premium business. It's totally. really run like a family. I mean, most of the companies are family owned, except for the big three or four, you know, which are controlled by big corporations. Uh, you have the Fuente family, you have the Padron family, you have uh, Nick Perdomo and his family. I mean, Rocky, uh, 
Patel, it's a sort of family. I mean, sure, Nish, absolutely. Uh, Nimish, you know, so basically Nish, yeah. the whole industry over the years has really been a family business. Even and the big ones now, unfortunately, have European owners. And when you get a European owner, the family goes out. Yeah, and <laughs> I think, you, you, yeah, and when you think about consolidated and then before it became Altadas, it was owned by Ron Perlman, and he essentially. That was essentially, to a degree, a family business, and he let Theo run it as a family. And what's interesting, Jim, is Theo really, just my observations, he never micromanaged anybody. Um, I know talking to George Gershel, who was the longtime VP of tobacco at Consolidated Cigar and then Altadas, would say, hey, Theo basically said... It's it, you're running your own company, George, and he would say the same thing to you. I never remember him interfering, saying "Don't buy that tobacco" or "Or Jim, don't launch this cigar." He really was hands off because, as you said, he hired the best, paid them the best, and let them do their jobs. Right. I mean, look. Obviously, Dave. Look, as long Theo felt as long as we maintained our business and and made our numbers, and in, in the case of the two times Ronald Perlman owned us. Who, if anybody knows Ronald Perman, um, he's uh, an outstanding businessman as far as bright and uh, owns a lot of company, owns Revlon, uh, you know, and he's owns some many. He owned that time. He owned Coleman uh, camping equipment. I mean, he owned uh, Panavision. I mean, he's always been the type of guy, Ronald Perman, that puts people in. And as long as those people produce he leaves them alone, and that's what Theo's way of doing business was. Also, I can tell you in the in the period that Ronald Perman owed us twice, he only visited Consolidated Cigar once in each of the ten years that he owned us. That's incredible. Once. I mean, that's fascinating. You think somebody that would own a business would say, "Hey, I got to come down once a quarter, at least once a year, once." And I think that's a testament to the fact that he said. Hey, I'm bringing in the best management. Let them do their job, and the results followed. Right. Listen, it's in any company, but some companies are a little different. They're, you know, they're into. We want reports. I can tell you that was the big difference when the Europeans bought Altadis. Okay, not not the Spanish and not the French, but when the British took over, all of a sudden they started demanding reports. They wanted reports, reports, and more reports. And that's not how you run a business. Uh, we were spending more time writing reports for them. And that's why basically uh, towards the end, it was over for some of us. We, you know, It wasn't the way we had been doing business for 35 years. Then all of a sudden the British come in and they wanted to report whether you made the numbers or missed them by a little. They wanted pages on pages of reports. And that's not who we were. We were people that went out there, did the job. We didn't have... What it was, Dave, we didn't have the type of backup in our company. We were lean and mean. Right. So in order to do reports, we we were going to be forced to hire more people. And that wasn't the way Theo ran a business. And basically, as one day they came in and said to Theo, you keep putting your foot in the door, you know, not letting us in. And Theo would basically say, this is not the way to run a business in, in the United States. You just don't understand our business. And that's why within a year, we were all the top management of the company were retired. We were all over the age to retire, except for maybe Gary. You know right. what I'm saying? Every uh, Theo was over 65. I was over 65. Obviously, 
Uh, George was over 65. Uh, I'm trying to think. And, and Dennis was over older than me. So everyone was 65. Yeah, and you're referring to uh, Gary Ellis, who is the CFO, Dennis McQuillan, who is the VP of in charge of factories. Right. Uh, and, and so, but what's interesting is, I always told, I would always kid Theo by saying, Theo, there is no way in hell that Consolidated and then Altatus, when when uh, Theo was still running it, could ever be sued for age discrimination because you had some salespeople that were, I think, in their seventies, seventies, maybe even pushing eighty, because yeah. your thing was, hey, they they know what they're doing, they've got great relationships, let them do their thing. Yeah, Herman Lehman was in his eighties. Herman, exactly, Herman. That's exactly right. And what's yeah. interesting, Jim, is there's a reason why the United States of America had to go over in World War II and save Britain's ass, because they were worried about writing reports while the Americans just went out and kicked ass. It's that simple. Yeah, well, same thing in business. Obviously, uh, you know, you got to go out and make make the numbers. You got to go out and see the customers. Sitting in, sitting in a desk writing reports does not get you the business when you're in a, a consumer products business, especially in the cigar business. Cigar business, you know, you know, it's, a, it's small retailers. I mean, in the mass market cigars, you went and saw Circle K and you were dealing with thousands of stores. You went and see 7-Eleven, you were dealing with thousands of stores. You saw, you saw CBS, uh, you saw uh, Walgreens, you were... And Rite Aid, you were dealing with thousands of stores. In the premium side of the business, you're dealing with individual owners. Maybe a few of them have four or five stores. But many of the 5,000 tobacconists plus that are out there are basically individual owners. So it's a different kind of business. It's family business. Jim, how has your experience working in a large company, but in an entrepreneurial manner, how have you translated and transferred that to Gurkha uh, and Syndicato, specifically Gurkha? Well, Gurkha is, you know, listen, Gurkha is a mi middle-sized company, a mid-sized company compared to an Altidus. But it's, it's, we run it like a family. Everyone knows everybody. Nope, it's all first names here. Uh, anybody can walk in my office and, and just talk to me, whether it's the guy in the, in the back, you know, packing cigars, or it's, it's one of the secretaries or one of the, you know, people that are sales girls or whatever on the phones, you know, the, the, uh, order takers or the people that are, you know, uh, which I just go telemarketing people, our door, everyone's door is open. Everyone's treated like family, uh. It's sort of the same way we ran out to this, except it's easier here because it's really small. I mean, where we had 190 people in the Altidus headquarters, here we only have 20. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a lot smaller. I will tell you the one thing, Dave. When you have a smaller company and you run it like the way we ran Altidus, okay, remember when I said Altidus had 190 people in the headquarters, that was mostly for mass market, okay? right? You know, out of the seven hundred to eight hundred million dollars we did, only a hundred million was premium. All right, and and the majority and all the profits were in mass market. So you needed to have a lot of people because we weren't dealing with, you know, five thousand retailers. We were just dealing with a lot of volume, and so we needed the people. Uh, and and now the com all the companies are going to be. How should I say the FDA may cause many of the companies to have major problems in the future.
with all the paperwork I'm sure the FDA is going to require. I do so, not disagree uh, on that. That's but, going to be a disaster. Yeah, I mean, that's the one the one thing that um, bothers me about the future of all the small companies is how we handle the, you know, the, the FDA and what they're going to have demands for us. I mean, as you know, in the cigarette business, uh, it was a godsend for the Altria's of the world. Altria was the big pusher wanting FDA because it pushed out all the little guys. And right. that was why they were a big backer of the, of the FDA. In fact, Altria was the only one really backing the FDA. And I'm sure they're a big backer of the FDA for cigars too, because as you know, other than black and mild, they're not really in the cigar business. You know, no they sold off the uh, Nat Sherman premium business because they didn't want to be involved with it. Right. They bought so, it, then they sold it. But they really bought it for the cigarettes, the premium cigarette business. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they just wanted this, the, the Nat Sherman cigarettes. Uh, you're 100% correct. They they weren't buying for the uh, volume of, uh, of Nat Sherman cigars. Obviously, uh, the big companies, uh, they're not interested in small brands. And that's one of the big things would happen when uh, the British bought Altidus. Uh, as you as you know, in the in the mass market business, they basically trimmed down the number of brands we were selling and said only sell the top brands. They didn't understand regionality in the United States. There are certain brands that sell in certain parts of the United States, but they just said they wanted brands that sold nationally, which is a dumb dumb thing to do. But that's what big conglomerates do. They don't they don't run companies as small family companies anymore. Yeah, they, they seem to love PowerPoint presentation and spreadsheets. Uh, they can't get enough of them. And, and I love when they say, well, we need a 10-year plan. Most people don't know what they're going to have for lunch tomorrow, let alone in 10 years, but they want to predict 10 years in the future. I assure you, nobody could have predicted a global pandemic a year, two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. So whenever I hear these long five-year, 10-year plans, it really is a joke, and they focus on the wrong items. I'll tell you what, Jim. When we come back, uh, I want to conduct the National Cigar Litation Ceremony, but then I want to talk about one of the mass market cigars that you created that went on to be a humongous hit. I can even remember the the jingle for the commercial, so we'll do that. Jim, What uh, I was going to smoke today for the International Cigar Litation Ceremony, the Gurkha San Miguel. What do you think? That's a great smoke. I love okay. it. Perfect. When we come back, I'm firing up a San Miguel. If you are looking to add a full-flavored cigar to your portfolio of cigars to enjoy, I've got the perfect selection for you. The Gurkha Nicaraguan series. It is loaded with Nicaraguan leaf from the renowned Aganorsa Farms in Nicaragua. The Gurkha Nicaraguan series features a Corojo 99 Nicaraguan wrapper, dual Corojo 99 binders, and Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 long fillers. The result, a super full-flavored cigar with loads of pepper, loads of spice, very rich, while maintaining absolute smoothness the entire time. Try the Gurkha Nicaraguan series. Add it to your portfolio. Add it to your humidor. You will be in for a super Nicaraguan Puro Cigar Treat. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. 
with an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, as I mentioned prior to our short timeout, I have selected the Gurkha San Miguel, a cigar that was launched last fall. And Jim Colucci, you were the man behind this blend and this new brand. So why don't you tell us about it? Well, Dave, uh, I San Miguel is one of my favorite cigars because it's not a full-bodied cigar. It's more of a medium to three-quarters. Uh, if, if, if there was a calculation, I'd say it's a 60%er. It's 60% on the way there. Uh, it's a beautiful wrapper from uh, our friends at Agonorsal Leaf. Uh, it's a uh, shade-grown uh, wrapper that they do out there, Corojo. Right. It's got a double binder of Nicaraguan tobaccos and it has all 100% Nicaraguan filler. Uh, it's very smooth, very tasteful. Uh, it's just one of my favorite cigars. I mean, uh, it's sort of a, a combination of two blends that I've done with them before. It's a combination of the blend on Particularis and the combination of the blend that we did on Syndicato Natural. So uh, it's basically got a lot of the same components in a little different percentage which gave it a different, unique taste. So I really love it. I mean, they're the same people that created the new Gurkha Nicaraguan series. And if you didn't want a 100% Nicaragua series, the Trenta cigar they made for us, the 30th anniversary of Gurkha cigars, which has an Ecuador Cubano wrapper, is a fantastic cigar too. But I do love the San Miguel. I, I do love, I don't know which size you're smoking, but I love the Corona we came up with. Bingo, that's exactly what I have. Four and a quarter by 42. Your petite right. Corona, love it. And you know, let's face it, Jim, When you whenever you blend a cigar, and all the great blenders will tell you this, that if you can blend a, a great cigar in the Corona size, you can translate that to every other size because the Corona is difficult because you're not working with a huge ring gauge. So you really have to right. get it right. And you got it right with San Miguel. And I love the Corona because it's a great Sunday morning, Saturday morning. Have some coffee, read the paper cigar. You can walk the dog. It's just a nice cigar where if you've got a half an hour, you can enjoy it. And you don't feel like you're, you know, like with a double Corona or a Toro, that if you can only get to maybe a quarter of it, a third of it, you don't feel like you're wasting the cigar. So it's a great size. Yeah, that's that's what I like about it, Dave. I, you know, I get to a point where I want to light up a cigar sitting at the desk. But I know I've got to do something in like 20 minutes so, and go somewhere or go in the back of the warehouse. And, uh, you know, I can smoke in my office. As you know, the, the Florida rules are you have to have 50 percent of the area for smoking and non-smoking. So uh, and that's in the office space. It has nothing to do with the warehouse space. So basically, when I light up a cigar, I've got to really just smoke it only in my office. So yeah, I'm usually on the go from one office to the other. So that's what I like about the Corona cigar. I can get my 10, 15, 20 minutes of enjoyment out of it and then go somewhere else and, and not have to waste a Toro or a Robusto cigar that, that I couldn't finish. And so for me, it's more enjoyable. It goes great with a, an espresso. I, I just love it. I also love it when I go on business trips. Well, I actually have some espresso right here. Uh, at oh, my boy, ready. Really Let me, uh, mm. 
in China, uh, Jim, not in a little paper cup. We do it right here at All right, no, Center no, Alpha. I... <laughs> but by the way, one other thing, Jim, I love the box on San Miguel, that white it's just got a, a white and the gold just has that really traditional Cuban look, but it's clean. It's a nice looking box, as is the band for the San Miguel as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, well, obviously, you know, it's funny about it. I, it has nothing to do with it, but uh, obviously those who know who would say Michael is a Mark, say Michael, the Archangel. That's what San Miguel is. And that was the high school I went to, St. Michael's High School. So there's so, a little story there. Interesting. Well, it's, yeah, in a, in a way, it's a story. I just thought it was unique that that was the high school I went to, and that was the St. Michael was our patron saint. So uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that I had a cigar now called San Miguel. Bingo. And, you know, it's got St. Michael the Archangel on it, as you know. So uh, I was happy about it. I love the graphics. While I'm talking to you, I'm going to go grab uh the top of the box and so but dave do you have the box with you i have the box in front of me yes yeah, so so the saint michael standing there the uh, archangel saint michael is the statue that was in front of my high school so that's so that was the inspiration for the design no no it just happened no it just happened to be there around i'm, I'm not going to take credit for that but <laughs> I just thought it was unique when uh, we I looked up some of the, the some of the brands that I had here at Gurkha that were available to use, and uh, the artwork was available too, and we just modernized it a little, and uh, I enjoy. It. I like also the you know the little rat tail. Yep, I was just going to mention like that. that. It's, it's right. It's got the little rat tail on the end. Uh, and, and that's a nice way. And actually, if you pull it properly, you don't need a cutter. That'll work. So three right. sizes. Yeah. Yep. Some three people sizes. say to me, it's hard to cut. I said, you don't cut it. I said, just pull, pull off the, the the rat tail and it'll make a nice cut for you as if you had a uh, a cutter. I, I like it because I usually use my fingernails even on a regular cigar. That's exactly right. So three different sizes, the Petite Corona, four and a quarter by 42 that I have, about a $9 suggested retail, the Robusto five by 52 and a six by 54 Toro, all average price about nine and a half dollars. Beautiful cigar, the new Gurkha San Miguel. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Well, Jim, last year when I was visiting you at Gurkha headquarters, you gave me a very thin, beautiful, a stainless steel double-edged guillotine cutter and i have it in my hand now do you sell these or are these just promotional gifts that you give uh, give away no no we they we we do have sales of cutters but most but the majority of our sales i mean excuse me the majority of the cutters we use are for the menus for uh, events when they go to different uh retailers and have a you know in-store event or where they you know you buy a box or you buy five cigars and you get a gift that's that's all part of it but yeah we do sell them uh but uh probably 50 percent of the sales are with box purchases or or five cigar purchases at a retailer well this, we a, have this is a great cutter events. yeah great cutter it's thin it it feels solid it's just a very elegant looking uh cutter it's uh, looks like stainless steel with some brass in the center very elegant and that's what i would use today on my gurkha san miguel petite corona Ma 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 Maximum BTU flame throwing and heat producing apparatus.
From the Cigar Dave R&D Labs, I have my five-star five-jet flames arranged in a Pentagon design. It's got a built-in piercer, nice translucent tank, so I can see I've got about 60% of the tank full, and that's what I would use today. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut right off the end. Now, Jim, I should have said I could have just pulled the rat tail and it would have come off, but it didn't have the same dramatic effect uh, as cutting it with the guillotine. So that's why I use the double-edged guillotine. Now I will toast the foot of the cigar. Won't take long because with a 42 ring gauge, 42, 64, 7 inch in diameter, this will light very quickly. Getting the aroma right off the bat. Beautiful looking wrapper. Nicaraguan Puro. Let me puff and rotate. Great draw. Mm. Outstanding. Right off the bat, Jim. Definitely getting some creaminess and getting a little bit of spice. Very nice. Yeah, mm. it's, you know, it's agonosal leaf. I mean, listen, the tobaccos at Agonosa are fantastic. I mean, they just grow some of the finest tobaccos in Nicaragua. Fantastic. Jim, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the one of the brands a mass market brand that you actually created i think if i'm not mistaken it was in the 70s or 80s that you became about backwards a, yes i was going to bring that up backwards a huge hit it was just a very raw looking cigar and i remember i remember the backwards slogan and the and the song backwards how can anything that looks so wild taste so mild i can still hear the song uh, in my head that jingle and that was a humongous hit, came in a nice little, like, foil pouch, and it came in, I think, a natural, and then there was, I think you may have had a Maduro, if I'm not mistaken, but you actually used the cuttings from many of the premium cigars in there, so it was a great cigar, Correct. just yeah. an unfinished end, and that thing skyrocketed, humongous. Yes, and, uh, well, you know, I, I, you, you and I have talked about the story uh, of Backwoods, there's, there's two... The original Backwoods, okay, was launched. I know exactly the date it was launched. You you might ask, how would you remember the actual date you launched it in test market? Well, that was because we launched it in a place called uh, Oregon, all right? And when I was going up to Portland on that Sunday, uh, there was a little mishappening. It was Saturday or Sunday, I forget if it which day it went up. It was called Mount St. Helena's Eruption. Oh, bingo. All right. So we launched it the day after the eruption. And wow. so we, I flew up there, and there was, you know, how, you remember how tough it was to fly up there after that eruption. Right. So when we landed in Portland, uh, that was all the talk of the day. Here we're launching our product at the retail stores, you know, putting it out in the market before the commercial ran. I don't know if you remember that commercial. I that was one of the, probably the last big pushes on TV of a commercial. People don't realize that you could still advertise cigars on TV, Dave. Right, you can. But nobody can afford to. I mean, right. advertising uh, on TV is out of, out of reach now. I can tell you, when I first joined Altidus in 1974, we actually were on Super Bowls. Really? Yeah. Well, you couldn't afford Super Bowls now. The original Super Bowl weren't as expensive as they are now. 
you know, they were a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars for thirty seconds back then. Wow. Well, I tell you what, Jim, I'm looking. I'm on YouTube right now, and I am looking at the commercial from 1981. Right. It says, and there's two. There's a guy. They're in the city. One wearing a cowboy hat. New backwoods right. smokes. How can anything that looks so wild taste so mild? And then there's a hot chick at the kind of midway through that sees the guy smoking the cigars and kind of stops yeah. and turns her head. Brilliant. I, I got. I got to tell you, Dave. I, I was totally against that commercial. I just really thought those guys didn't fit a New York, you know, commercial trying to be in New York, being a cowboy in New York, and they didn't just fit the. Uh, how should I say? They weren't the Marlboro Cowboy guy, you know. If you know, no, but what I but mean. yeah, but but you know, it's interesting because one had the they both had like um, uh, open shirts. One had a jean shirt, the other had just like yep. a regular shirt. One had like uh, you know, like kind of like the cowboy sport coat that had a little lapel, yeah, you know, yeah, dark yeah. lapel just, and whatever. They didn't look. They didn't look like rough and tough. No, they didn't look rough and tough, but but the cool thing is the woman, a hot blonde, stops, oh, turns yes. around, then she takes a lasso and lassos those guys and pulls both of them towards her. It was beautiful. Right. Well, I, what I said to you, I, I wasn't a big uh, proponent of that commercial, uh, but I was overridden by the advertising agency. They told me how well it pulled and all the testing they did. Right. You know, and uh, that's what it was. So in seven in 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 March of twenty of nineteen eighty or March twenty eighth when we launched the brand Dave, okay, we didn't use the commercial. We just launched a product just to see how regular consumers would, uh, you know, go for the product, and right. it was a total success in test market, and that's when we started running the commercials in the in seventy one, all right, and the product took off in nationally. 81. It was in the in first 81? year. Uh, we sold almost 65 million sticks, which Holy was unheard man. of a new cigar in the in the mass market business to, to come out of the gate with 65 million sticks. That's huge. And then what you're talking about, in, in about 1985, I walked into Theo's office and I said I had an idea. And he said, what's your idea? I said, I want to come out with Backwoods Sweet. All right. He goes, no, nah, I don't really don't want to do that because it's going to cannibalize on the natural. So at that time we were selling about seventy-five, still selling about seventy-five million naturals a year, and we launched the suite. And he was right in some ways. Uh, we the natural didn't grow that much that year; it only grew about two million sticks. But we sold about eighty-five million sweet sticks. So the brand jumped from seventy-five million to about one hundred fifty-five million sticks. That's now incredible. I hear it's almost close to a billion sticks. Is it so really? So a bad introduction. Wow. And what's amazing is there's no marketing for that anymore. You never, there's no commercials. No, no. I, Dave, we took it off the, you know, once it became popular. Right. You took it off. All right. right. A couple of years we took it off. It, it wasn't going to grow. Actually, the only growth came from the suite. And now I, you know, I'm not in that business anymore, but I know the the growth of it has a lot to do with people using the wrapper all right, to smoke their legalized weed. Right. Interesting. For six decades, Camacho has been working hard to build the best damn cigars around, perfecting, preserving the authentic Corojo seed. That's the foundation 
of the Camacho blends. They talk about strength and character, and that is in Camacho's DNA. And so is the Camacho Corojo Cigar. Complex, flavorful, no compromises. It is bold, it is rich, it is tasty. And it's built using wrapper, binder, and filler that is grown and harvested in the legendary Hamastron Valley in Honduras. A fifth priming wrapper, deep, dark, rich, three primings in the filler. What you get is a cigar strikingly dark in appearance. Camacho Corojo makes a statement with intensity that's backed up by cedar and earthy notes. A bold experience for those that defy the status quo. Camacho, strength and character, it's in our DNA. I want to just kind of focus on Gurkha. And the one thing I do want to focus on, Jim, is in addition to uh, the some of the other launches that you had last year, the year before at the Premium Cigar Association Convention, you launched the Gurkha Trenta and the Gurkha Real. And we just featured those in the May Officers Club. And the Gurkha Trenta, very unique cigar, nice medium-bodied beauty. That is basically a celebrates the 30th anniversary of the Gurkha brand being launched in the United States. I remember when Kaizad Hansodia and Sosha launched that, like out of his briefcase, but it was an interesting story with Gurkha going back like 120 years or something, uh, where it was, uh, you know, back in in Asia uh, many, many years ago, and Kaizad somehow was able to buy the brand. Yes, he was a, yeah, it was interesting that he was able to buy a brand that had such, you know, such big history, uh, you know, and uh, it's, it has been a great success for him. Uh, and uh, I think the company uh, this year is going to have its best year. And I think the next few years, Gurkha will really be making a statement in the industry with its growth. And I, I, I really put a lot of it towards some of the new products that we've come out with, the Real, the Gurkha Nicaraguan series, the Trenta, as you were just talking about, as well as the San Miguel. And this, I mean, the mainstay, the Cellar Reserve 15 and 12 and 18 and 21, and the, the Heritage, etc. cetera. Uh, the brick and mortar brands for Gurkha have really done well over the last two years, uh, up five and four. 10% in the last two years. Last year, the 10% growth was interesting because of the pandemic when one of our biggest markets, as you know, Pennsylvania, right. basically shut all the stores down. Right. So, I mean, the whole industry did well last year, and I think a lot has to do with they People don't realize that people staying home doing their jobs where they weren't allowed to smoke in their office last year or Correct. the year before, being home, there's no one telling you you can't smoke on your back porch or wherever they were doing their computer work. Yeah, we've, we've spoken about that, where basically people work from their man caves, they work from their basements, they work from uh, their patios outside. And now, right. because so many people are are enjoying the fact that they can work from from their man cave or work from outside, have a cigar, have a cocktail late in the afternoon. They don't want to go back to the office. And there was just an article, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, um, or one of the other financial publications saying that many companies now are grappling with the fact that they want people to come back to the office, but their employees don't want to. And because it's such a hot job market right now, that basically there's, 
you know, there's there's loads of it's it's really a buyer's market, and right. and now employees are saying, listen, you know, you said I could work remotely for the last year. Well, I moved either to Florida, I moved to Texas, I moved to North Carolina, I moved to a country house. I don't want to come back, and I kind of like the, being able to smoke a cigar. So the they're now grappling with that, and I think it's going to be forever changed, and that's created, if you will, a mini cigar boom, a mini cigar renaissance. Yeah, and also. Also, Dave is creating a lot of office space availability. The correct, exactly. I would not want to be in the commercial office uh, space uh, sector right now. Well, Jim, what I'd like to do is on our next segment that we will drop on Thursday, I want to talk about the some of the other new Gurkha brands that you've launched, some of the new Gurkha brands that will be launched at the upcoming Premium Cigar Association convention in mid-July, and then talk about some of the core brands. I really want to get into Heritage, because or not oh, Heritage I want to get into, but I want to get into some of the seller reserves, because there's really a number of seller reserves, so I want to be able to give a nice picture of the nuances and the differences of all those seller reserves. So, Jim, we will talk to you on Thursday. Cigar Dave, the general saying, may her humidor always be full. May her cutter always be sharp. May her ash be extra, extra long. Semper delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Live it up. (laughs) 